as a young person, even though I was really tall and I was this kind of bigger than life person, I, I used to hide in the shadows quite a bit and it was kind of, I just want to keep a bit of a low profile. In my like family group, my close friends, I was outgoing, but like when I got into big situations like school and you know I was in scouts and boys brigade and things like that I would often be kind of hiding away a bit so I think it's kind of easy to do that right and but in life we have to kind of step forward that's the only way we're going to actually get ahead is to take a bit of a jump uh, leap of faith so and I think that that whole leap of faith that um getting out of your comfort zone is really hard right and I talk about that to a lot of people about comfort zone it's called a comfort zone for a reason right Hello listeners and welcome along to the Mind to Lead podcast, the podcast where leaders are made. Whether you're a CEO, manager, teacher or parent, I believe everybody can be a leader. My mission is to help my listeners understand the skills, traits and mindset of what it takes to become an exceptional leader. I'm your host, Georgie Hubbard, business owner, career and mindset coach. So if you're ready to discover the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mind to Lead. Today I am sat with a fantastic human being and friend, Steve Dalton. Steve, amazing to have you here. Hi Georgie, it's great (laughs) to be here. So Steve, just for our audience, could you give a little bit of an overview into who you are? And what's brought you to this point in your life right now? Oh, good question. It's a hard <laughs> one, right? Because I wear a few different hats. Yeah. So I'm from the UK originally, like mm-hmm. you guys, um, but I've been here quite a long time now, uh, since 99. So it's mm-hmm. like 12, 20 years. Um, I'm an engineer. Uh, I work in a company called Refactor. It's a local software electronics consultancy here on the Gold Coast. Uh, but I also wear some other hats. I have a group called TechSpace, which I started about 10 years ago, which I'm really passionate about. That's a makerspace here on the coast. And I'm also, I guess, quite actively involved in the startup community here on the Gold Coast. I don't really have a startup at this moment in time. It's a bit of a, a quiet one, um, but I'm, I love helping other people. So I've been doing some mentoring for a few of the startups on the coast and it's been fun. That's how we kind of met through yeah. the, the startup hub. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well we we met through Toastmasters. Yeah. And I think you were the one that sort of got all that up and running um in the G C hub, weren't you? Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm a serial starter yeah. and uh, I did Toastmasters I can't remember how long ago it was. It might have been maybe uh, eight years ago or something, Mm -hmm. uh, when I wanted to get some more confidence in the way I speak. Because I I was quite a shy person as a kid. And um, yeah, I always struggled with the public speaking and not so much for doing presentations to big audiences. It was more around, you know, when you're doing business meetings and having confidence on the board and being able to talk. So I started Toast, I joined Toastmasters and it it was really good. It really helped me. Um, I think I did it for three or four years, but then my, my life circumstances mm-hmm. changed and I was doing my kid pickups at school and I couldn't make the morning meetup. So I kind of missed it. And um, we were just talking last year and I was working at the GC Hub and I said, why don't we start a Toastmasters group? And there wasn't a group on the Gold Coast at lunchtime. And for me, I like my daytimes. I think lunchtime's a good break to do something. And I thought, well, why don't we just start one? So I reached out to my friend Chris, who I used to know from my other group, and we, and with the help of Sharon and a few other people, we started the GC Hub one. And that was, and we, we kind of, 
fell up because it was done at the GC Hub. We started this kind of entrepreneurial friendly group. It wasn't really intended that. It was actually purely selfish, really. I wanted to go to Toastmasters and I didn't want to go in the morning. But lots of other people wanted to do it too. So and you came along and yeah. it's still going. And we've got a really active bunch of people. Uh, I really like the group. It's kind of it's getting a lot of uh, attention from the other Toastmasters groups because some of the other groups can be a little bit stuffy and old mm. school and we've actually got like this new yeah. face. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been good yeah. and uh, I'm getting back into it again, yeah. trying not to um and ah so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just absolutely loved it. I think for me, I was really quite nervous around public speaking myself and mm-hmm. I remember <clears throat> the first time I did Toastmasters, I stood up and I had to say my name and my heart was racing and I was just, <laughs> just like, yeah. Just a simple yeah, thing I can yeah. Yeah, it's crazy and you know but it really did help me become aware of that the nerves are okay mm-hmm. you know you, you're always going to be nervous it, it, especially if you're speaking about something that you care about mm-hmm. so I'm curious to know from your experience from Toastmasters and from who you've met over the years like what do you think is why do why do we have this big fear of public speaking oh gosh that's <laughs> a good question isn't it I yeah. don't know for me um yeah it was always I guess uh, it's not the same for everyone, but for me, as I was as a young person, even though I was really tall and I was this kind of bigger than life person, I was kind of I, I used to hide in the shadows quite a bit, and it was kind of I just want to keep a bit of a low profile in my like family group, my close friends. I was outgoing, but like when I got into big situations like school and you know I was in scouts and boys brigade and things like that, I would often be kind of hiding away a bit. So I think it's kind of easy to do that right and but in life we have to kind of step forward that's the only way we're going to actually get ahead is to take a bit of a jump uh, leap of faith so and I think that that whole leap of faith that um getting out of your comfort zone is really hard right and I talk about that to a lot of people about comfort zone it's called a comfort zone for a reason right mm. it's super comfy over there so I think that's just really hard for people even just as you say just standing up and introducing yourself that you see so many people just fall over their own name or just they've only got to say about six words and people who uh, are usually quite confident people to speak one-on-one in front of 15, 20 people will balk at it. So I don't know, maybe there's some long evolutionary thing going back in our genes about it, but uh, yeah, it's the number one fear, isn't it? More than yeah. death. Yeah. Which is like crazy. Well, what, what do they say? People <laughs> people would rather be in the coffin than speak at their own funeral. Like, yeah. <laughs> which I just found bizarre. But, you know, I think it, I, I'm curious to know as well, because I'm, I'm, I do, I'm really passionate about self-belief and confidence. So you said that you were quite a shy kid in school, as was mm-hmm. I. Um, but how did you go about creating that confidence and you know you're able to now stand up in Toastmasters Mm -hmm. speak you've done I've heard some amazing talks that you've done Mm -hmm. so what steps did you take to build that up over the years so I don't think I made a real conscious step to change it I actually accidentally fell into a few things Mm -hmm. Uh, when I uh, was at university I I was still kind of pretty quiet at uni actually but um, I took a year out from uni I was doing kind of poorly in my second year of uni and I just so happened to kind of see this job ad to do like a year off and that really pushed me into something and that took me down another uh, I guess another track right down the road and I went and worked at IBM for a year and that introduced me to a large amount of people and I was kind of put into roles that were way more senior than I should have been and I, I just followed down this trail I'm not sure where I'm going with the question here but it was accidental initially and I think uh, once I got a little bit of an endorphin rush from that I actually this is pretty good 
I can do this, even though, and people actually won't be judging me or, you know, like when it's a school, it's different, right? There's mm. bullying and all sorts yeah. of things like that. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the real world, people are actually generally pretty nice. Mm. Um, like we're Gen X, right? I read a thing about Gen X yesterday about, you know, you know, bullies weren't bullies in the Gen X era. They were the cool kids, yeah. wasn't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. It was like there was a lot of that at school, right? And uh, you didn't want to stand out because mm. people would pick on you. But when she, I got out into this adult world, it was like, oh, Actually, people don't mind you having a go. And and then after uni, I did uh, went to America and did this um, summer camp experience, actually, where I met my wife. And again, that was another, like, jump. And so every time I kind of leveled up a bit, I thought, actually, this is started to kind of soften. And I'm like, this is actually really good. People like it and appreciate it. Well, it's not a scary thing. But, yeah, I don't think I made a conscious effort to go. Uh, I, think, I think I could have easily just stayed like that for quite a long time. So... But it it sounds to me like you just sort of, you went for things, you know, you weren't afraid Mm -hmm. to sort of put yourself out of your comfort zone. And I I guess what's really interesting is when you are out of your comfort zone, you're doing it and you're standing up giving a speech, you go, ah, this isn't actually as bad as what I thought it was going to be, you know, and the more you do it, the more you realize actually it's not as hard as what, you know, we first, we first thought it was going to be. And you do get into this, I guess, uh, different mindset where you're like, Mm -hmm. actually, I don't really care what people think. Like we're doing a podcast yeah. now and we're going to be posted on the internet mm. public to people and mm. like that would, would scare a lot of people. But yeah. now I'm like, well, our, people can just take you as you are mm. and if you don't agree with what we say or don't like the way we sit mm. or look or speak mm. or whatever, I actually don't care. Mm. So I guess once you make that jump about like mm. maybe care is the wrong word, but mm. yeah, you know, the, you can do anything then. Yeah. But if you kind of have that kind of fear of what people think of you, yeah. then that's that's quite constrictive right 100 percent. i think you just touched on something (laughs) Mm -hmm. huge because Mm -hmm. i think that there is a lot of fear circulating right now from a a lot of conversations i'm having offline with people who are saying to me oh i could never do a podcast you know what if what if somebody thought it was no good and what if i'm no good and like Mm -hmm. people seem to care a lot about what people think and what's really interesting is they care more about the people that are close to them mm-hmm. they care about what their parents are thinking what their friends are thinking so I, I'm, i'd love your thoughts on mm-hmm. that like how can people not care as much about what others think like how how did you go about that because that's quite a skill in itself yeah i don't know it's hard right mm. i think for me the big one for me was doing the summer camp thing right oh. so i had to and going to america and be in front of um i don't know if you know much about the american summer camp no. Uh, way that all these kids go off to camp every summer and the, it's not just the kids there's a whole load of teachers and counsellors and the people who are in the counsellor network that work as summer camp counsellors are generally that some of the teachers are a little bit of outcasts they're they're not always mainstream and they I think there was an attitude in that summer camp group there was a lot of people that were just yeah whatever I'm just going to go with the flow and 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 at the same side the kids themselves were some of them were pretty gregarious and pretty out there and they were like you know come on steve do this do yeah. this do that so um yeah I, that 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 was a big one for me that really just got me into this whole you know kind of i guess you know no worries don't worry mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. what is it kuna matata yeah. that kind of <laughs> just go with it yeah. no one no one really yeah. cares so that was and coming from like a very sort of uh, the british kind of stuffy kind of conservative mm-hmm way of thinking and then as a british person in the u.s as well that also i got dragged into it too because they're like oh you're from england they were like <laughs> we oh, you really stand out especially yeah. in the east coast of the u.s in that whole new england area they they love the brits mm-hmm. 
So like, oh, say something, say something. Yeah. They want to hear your accent. They want to know everything. They want to know about the royal family. And like you're like, whoa, I'm just getting <laughs> yeah. like dragged into this. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a big um, mm. jump, I think, mm. doing that. Uh, I'd highly recommend it to anyone who yeah. wants to get out of the yeah. shell, go and do that. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. But um, I can't remember what the original yeah. question was no, now. I think it's but, just uh, having like yeah. not caring as much what people think. But I think mm-hmm. from, from what my takeaway from that is basically just getting outside of your normal environment and putting yeah, again yourself out of your comfort zone, doing something that's going to challenge you, meeting new people. Mm-hmm. So I think as well, going back to, I guess what I said before of like people fear, the biggest fear for people is being judged by others, but the people that we're most afraid of being judged by are the pe- people in our inner circle. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to go back into like when you, how you started your businesses as well in a mm-hmm. moment. But I think, you know, if you then surround yourself with people who are also pushing themselves out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. who are also striving to be better every day, yeah. then that fear kind of does go away because you're supporting yeah. one another. Absolutely. And that's why I loved Toastmasters so much was because I didn't feel judged. I, I didn't feel like I was mm-hmm. making a fool of myself because everybody was in the same position, pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. And there was just this wonderful culture that we created mm-hmm. where it just felt really safe yeah, it's a very safe space mm. right that's what i love yeah. about it and there's a yeah. few other groups i've been part of mm. since then as well like the mm. peak persona group that we mm. did with aaron burkby and those guys that's again that's more of an online group that's a um a very safe space where people mm. feel very comfortable mm. i guess the same thing in some of the co-working spaces mm-hmm. uh and a lot more people are talking about their minds and yeah. you know like damien's talk a few weeks mm. ago you know we're talking about mental health and yeah. all sorts of things now um people are i guess much more vulnerable mm-hmm. um and so we have that place we can actually talk so it's actually interesting when i go and work in a kind of corporate environments where they're, they're actually some of those corporates are trying really hard actually but there's also there's still this kind of especially in government and you know, government departments and things like that some of them are still kind of in this old kind of hide your keep your cards close to your chest thing and when you go into kind of startup world it's like whoa you know it can be quite quite out there people are very open and talk about all sorts of things so yeah toastmasters in particular i think is really good they've really fostered that safe space thing and you'll hear people say that quite a bit you know this is a safe space like i don't know what happened when you were there but we've had in the past with toastmasters some people come on in front of us to do their talk and they literally just totally block up and they can't even say a word and they sometimes even cry and go off the stage and and those people come back though. Like yeah. two weeks later, they might be back and they do it. Amazing. And then they get a standing ovation yeah. and it's like, oh, you did it. Yeah. But like support. it's it's some people. So there's a great support network mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So if we can foster that and keep doing yeah. that in other things, I think yeah. it's uh, it's yeah. definitely a good lesson there. Absolutely. If you could bring that safe space into organizations, into when you're hiring, when you're building out your own culture, your own business, mm-hmm. where people aren't afraid to make mistakes or no no question is, is silly and you that that would build incredible organizations. Um mm-hmm. So your business now, um you've got ten people currently working yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of leader are you still? So yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> team. Um I didn't actually really set out to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually three of us that started the business about almost 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the founders decided to go back to New Zealand. So there was mm-hmm. three of us. We were quite a good trilogy. But then it was left with me and Rob. And Rob mm-hmm. um, is awesome business partner, but he's quieter. He's definitely more heads, hands, heads down. And so I kind of just ended up gravitating to being the the kind of leader guy who did, the, did everything. So I've... Um, yeah, I've kind of had to just play it 
by ear. And one of the things I, I stumbled upon pretty early was just being like super transparent with everyone, which is kind of how I've always been anyway. But I, I was a bit nervous about it at first because people were saying to me, oh, yeah, you can't be friends with your employees. You know, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. You've got to keep them at a distance. And I've actually not done that at all. So I am friends with all my employees. We don't go out all the time, but some of them go out with each other and they, they've, they've got a they've got a, a good network. But I'll, I'll also socialise with them, and but I'll be quite transparent to the point of giving them even all sorts of information about the business, sometimes even money. People are very shy of sometimes telling their employees about n- money mm-hmm. and numbers and things like that. I'll be quite open about that, even with the junior guys. And I think that's uh, – they've – People have really appreciated that. And I'm just halfway through reading the Radical Candor book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that one. She talks very much about transparency. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, oh, actually, I didn't, I'm, I'm actually onto something good here. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, yeah, that's been a big part of my leadership style mm-hmm. and um, just being very open mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, keep, keeping it keeping it real with the people yeah. not being too scary yeah and I, I, th- I think that is actually amazing the fact mm-hmm. that you've just naturally done that without even mm-hmm. realizing you're doing it but yeah. i think ultimately it's it's trust mm-hmm. right trust and honesty and it just goes such a long way and I, i'd love to know so i mean obviously you've got 10 people now like what's been your biggest challenge as a leader as, as you've sort of grown the team what mm-hmm. sort of challenges failures have you kind of come across from in, in the 12 years that you've been doing yeah. this? So I think, uh, you know, we started, we were small for quite a long time. We didn't, we had a couple of employees kind of on and off. Uh, it's only in the last year or two where we've got the team to a good critical mass now mm-hmm. where, where people can actually help each other. Uh, initially, it was a lot of me or us at the top kind of instructing people. There wasn't a lot of, because we were very technical. So we're all like software developers and electronics guys. It's all very hardcore technical stuff yeah. <laughs> and then um, often it was all kind of down from the top there wasn't a lot of um people helping each other uh, at the lower levels so whereas now we've got a, a good base of people and they all are helping each other so we're getting training happening across across the board now rather than it just all coming down all the time so i can i've got some new juniors at the moment and they're going really really well actually and some of the kind of less junior people are mentoring those people without even realizing they're mentoring actually they've just take and now we're actually a bit more together we're not all in the same place we're not too spread around it's been uh, that's been really good to see people taking on that uh, ownership of spreading knowledge around and that's I guess what we learned from doing tech space and a few of those other things it's like that different way of learning rather than instructional classroom you know it's much more like the village you know like the um thinking about this this morning you know about how uh, you know when we came out of the caves or whatever and we became into villages I'm sure people didn't like stand at the front with a board and like instruct the whole village like a classroom it was probably more like hands-on you know people in the village showing people how to do things if they were hunting it would be going out and doing hunting together it wouldn't be you know what now we're going to learn the fundamentals of a bow so I think we do a lot of that that kind Mm -hmm. of peer-to-peer learning learning off Mm -hmm. each other and recognizing as a leader, I think you can learn a lot from your junior people as well, yeah. right? So often they're they're surpassing me in technical yeah. knowledge about things, and don't be precious about that. 
that's they're gonna they're gonna actually yeah. teach you things right yeah i think that's amazing i think that there's too many leaders out there that are actually afraid to hire people that quote unquote maybe are better than them yeah you know but i, I just say i want to hire smart intelligent people mm-hmm. into into my business i want to learn i'm i'm a student for life and you know i think the younger generation coming through they've grown up with technology they might have quicker ways of doing things and i think as a leader one of the biggest mistakes that we we could ever make is not be open to mm-hmm. new ways of working um, and I just love what you just said then that I'm learning from my juniors because <laughs> we've all got stuff to share. Yeah. You know, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got ways, new ways of doing things. And I just think that culture that you've created where everyone feels empowered to help one another and that mm-hmm. peer-to-peer learning is is incredible. Um, so let's talk about the tech space then because yeah, um, so, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, so tech space, um, it's interesting. It's been going 10 years. I was actually looking mm-hmm. at some of the uh, photos last night because we had a committee meeting and I'm like, I pulled some photos because from when we started in July 2010 Mm -hmm. and when we first had our little meeting we met in a pub and it was (laughs) like we wanted to make this little club and we didn't really know where we were going with it so we wanted to build a a, a they call them hacker spaces or maker spaces but some people don't like the word hacker because it sounds like illegal but (laughs) it's I actually like the word um so there was a lot of hacker spaces around the world um Back in 2010, there wasn't too many in Australia. There was a pretty good one in Brisbane that had just started and we went and had a look and saw what they were doing. Uh, everyone was starting to build 3D printers back then in 2010. There was this type of 3D printer that was quite easy to build at home um, and we wanted to build a 3D printer. We wanted to make a little club for ourselves. To So it was a geek club, really. I guess, you know, a place for people to go hang out. And so we started this club and... It was interesting. We had no idea what we were doing. We ended up renting a commercial property in Southport and got the thought, yeah, we need about 20 members to be break even. We can get 20 members, surely, paying some money. And, uh, yeah, it was actually a big flop. We ended up putting thousands of dollars of our own money into it mm-hmm. to try and keep the rent going. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people turned up, but no one wanted to pay anything. So we were like, mm-hmm. crap. We've mm-hmm. done some, yeah. <laughs> what have we done here? Yeah. So uh, we managed to keep it going. Mm-hmm. We went through a few different places. The council actually helped us out in the end. Mm-hmm. We threatened to close a couple of times and they gave us some free space. Mm-hmm. And 10 years later, it's now we're now in a, a place in Montrebar, which is uh, partially funded by the council. And the, the group has changed a lot since those early days. It's not really a kind of a men's geek club anymore like we do have some female members which is really good Uh, we have a quite a diverse range of people that come along it's not just like your hardcore geeks Mm -hmm. and people come along and they it's kind of hard to describe but that we learn from each other a lot of people are doing electronics but there's also people doing programming we have people we have kids coming in who just want to learn tech they're not really getting what they need from school we've got students that come in uni and they're kind of a little bit stock on things there's a whole range of people that turn up and uh, some people just want to 3d print stuff some people want to see a laser cutter or they want to see a certain type of machine or buy some electronics it's pretty random um, but works really really well yeah. and it's got there's a really nice group of people that come there mm-hmm. some of us do pay our memberships now so we actually are financially viable and um, it's very welcoming friendly it's still a bit of a geek club but uh, yeah, that definitely that peer-to-peer learning thing is where I kind of honed a lot of that, and I saw where people helped each other, mm-hmm. and um, so we've got forty odd members at the moment. But it's about mm-hmm. nine hundred members on our 
uh, wow. a list mm-hmm. and about two or three hundred people mm-hmm. uh, interact virtually. We have mm-hmm. a Slack channel, which is really, really active. And people just help each other out yeah. for no reason sometimes, just because yeah. someone asked. I think you as know. well it goes maybe deeper than that. And I think people are actually now looking for connections. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and love to get your thoughts on this, but we live in a very technology has advanced us so much but it's actually making us less social and Mm -hmm. you know i think that events like the text-based one where people can get together there's common interest right away it's a safe space where people are Mm -hmm. learning off one another i think that's only going to continue to grow as social media grows because i think people are looking for connections and and networks and and just sort of to meet people that are on their wavelengths i think what Mm -hmm. you've created is is fantastic yeah so i I didn't realize this when i first started it Mm. but i think about 50 percent of it's all about fellowship people want fellowship right yeah i was thinking about i don't go to church anymore but Mm -hmm. i grew up in a christian family and we used to go to church every week and you know you do the whole fellowship thing Mm -hmm. halfway for the service you know peace Mm -hmm. be with you and do the shaking hands you get to meet people and that was like your fellowship Mm -hmm. and um that was kind of nice even though Mm. i didn't believe in any of it Mm, (laughs) (laughs) um sorry for people who are religious um but the fellowship part of church Mm. i thought was really good and so when we did the tech space and quite a few people are kind of lonely actually and they want to get out and they want to meet people they don't want to be best buddies with the people Mm. they just want to be around people Mm -hmm. so having like a bit of a fellowship and say oh these are my 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 people right this is my my king or whatever you want to call it uh i think is quite nice So yeah, that's kind of so I used to call it tech fellowship yeah. for people because it's yeah. like you know this is like your tech church. Yeah, <laughs> I love Wednesday it. <laughs> but I love it, and it, I just think, I think it's only going to grow in momentum. I, mm-hmm. I really do. I think that you know it's part of the reason why I want to start the podcast is because I I know so many incredible people and. I just don't think we have deep conversations anymore. Mm-hmm. It's very surface level. And I think that more people need to feel connected and feel like they can have open up and be vulnerable in safe spaces. And yeah, I think it's, I think what you're doing is, is fantastic and it's only going to build in mm-hmm. momentum. So if you're on the coast, go and check Tech out space, Tech Wednesday Space. Nights. Yeah, Wednesday nights. Love it. Or Toastmasters. Did that's you see also the, fantastic. just talking about um, connection, did you see the girl that's doing the 100 lunches with strangers thing? No. So I think she's on lunch 250 now. Wow. So she, didn't know anyone and uh, I actually reached out to her and said I'm happy to have lunch with you she's on LinkedIn she uh, she's I think she's in Melbourne she's a business um business analyst she didn't know anyone I think her English wasn't so good so she just stumbled upon this thing she said I'm going to reach out to people Mm -hmm. and ask them will they go for lunch Mm -hmm. so she started going to lunch with people every week just lunch with strangers and she Mm -hmm. ended up meeting quite a lot of famous quite uh uh, influential people yeah. and um the 200th lunch she had with us with the guy you know the guy who played kenny in the the movie the plumber movie the aussie guy i can't remember his name but I'm, she's I'm anyway amazing. she wrote a book it's called yeah. 100 lunches with strangers she's got wow. a tedx and everything but she she just started from nothing yeah. reached out to people but she's yeah. now got this momentum of this like mm-hmm. lunches with strangers thing yeah. so she just did it without any help just yeah. with linkedin yeah wow so, and that just shows as well the, the call for it because that's built so much momentum because everyone's kind of feeling the same way like i want to feel a part of something i want to connect i want to live in a community mm-hmm. you know and, and i guess if you find some people that are all on your save on the same wavelength as you even more amazing mm-hmm. um so i'd like to touch on now because you said that you're <laughs> mentoring some startups so mm-hmm. um yeah i'd love to sort of hear about sort of how you go about doing that and and yeah, what's your experience been working with new entrepreneurs mm. that are looking to start their business? Yeah, interesting. I don't know. Have you done mentoring before? I don't even know a, a what li- mentoring like, means sometimes yeah, these days, that's right? that's it, right? You yeah. know, it's, 
I, I guess it's helping people mm. seek clarity. Yeah. I think a lot of the time people are, they have an idea, but they don't know where to start. Yeah. Or they've got some fear that's holding them back. So I think it's, it's, it's not necessarily giving people all the answers. It's asking them better questions. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So yeah, I've, I was never like, there's no training course for mentors, no, right? No. And you get asked, can you be a mentor? And you mm. go, all right. And then you're like, how do I do this now? Yeah. And I know some people do kind of mentor mentors and mm. I've had a bit of help from people in the past, mm. but uh, yeah, so I do, I do offer myself as a mentor, but I don't really see myself as a mentor sometimes. Mm. It's, I do hate to see people stuck though. And definitely yeah. with the tech stuff, people mm. get stuck. They go down a whole track of, mm. I need to build something. And then sometimes they'll offshore or they'll go and make all sorts of mistakes because they mm. don't have help so I, I love helping people early just maybe trying to avoid the the pitfalls not mm. that offshoring is bad it can be great mm -hmm. but there's lots of pitfalls there there's lots of other things people get stuck mm -hmm. with as well so mm -hmm. I think on the tech side um, definitely some early help is mm -hmm. really good and uh, I just hate to see people like mm -hmm when they come to me later on and I can't really help them and they're like, oh, I've already spent $50,000. I've got no money in my bank account and I've, I've got a dispute with some offshore developers and I'm like, oh, we could have actually probably solved this if we'd have had a chat a year ago. So yeah, I do the tech stuff, but also I guess as I've done a bit of startups myself and I've done some facilitating of startup courses and things like that, uh, and I've read all the books, right? You can read all the books. So I'll try my best to help people, but at the same time, I do know my limits and there are, I don't try and tell everyone everything and I'll, I'll definitely say to people, get other advice mm -hmm. and you're probably going to get three different opposite advice yeah. from people mm -hmm. and you, you have to just kind of do that and mm -hmm. that's normal. I think people get freaked out when they mm -hmm. talk to one mentor and then another one says the opposite mm -hmm. and then that's that happened the other week at Startup Weekend. There was people, there was three different mentors in one room and they mm -hmm. said they the start of the the startup said they all told me the op, like different things yeah. so um the mentoring's been interesting i as you say it's all about questions right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think you do get better at asking those key questions and kind of then shutting up for a bit and just yeah. letting them answer right? that's the key right <laughs> yeah that's the key it's just pause and let them do the because because eventually they will figure out themselves mm. i think you just kind of got to steer them the right way but um, yeah, in terms of like when you're working with people, are there common threads, common mistakes or common questions that you you do get asked that people are, you know, Yeah, I think people, um, well, A, people haven't read like the fundamental like books and mm. startup material. The amount of people like me who, like it's not the Bible or anything, but Lean Startup's a good book, right, to okay. start with. Mm -hmm. So many people have not read that or not even read mm. the intro of it or like have any concept of it, like just... That is how Silicon Valley is pretty much built mm -hmm. on the lean startup, like at least be knowledgeable about it and know it. So people um, haven't done any homework mm -hmm. at all. So I recommend people read the lean startup. They go look at the Steve Blank, uh, how to make a startup lean launchpad course, which is only like six hours of your time. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you'll get like, that's pretty old, that course now, but I love it. Um, so doing the homework, people just haven't done that at all. And yet they'll have invested weeks sometimes even years of their time mulling over ideas and doing all this other stuff when they haven't actually 
bothered. I see lots of. I'm looking at your books as I say this. <laughs> I'm a bit <laughs> of a reader. <laughs> so um, that's definitely something I've been encouraging people to do to, to mm-hmm. do a bit of homework. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is like as a developer, they come to me and they they ask me, oh, can you build me something? They want to actually code something straight away. They think they have to code an MVP and they have to build something, a minimum viable product. And they don't have any idea that a minimum viable product doesn't have to be code. It doesn't have, you don't need a software developer. You can actually try a, a startup's an experiment, right? So you can try a lot of things without writing anything. So you can use cloud tools, but you can even just use a piece of paper or a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Have have a coffee with someone and ask them, mm-hmm. scribble something on a piece of paper. So I think there's a there's a lot of for people who are non technical. I'm talking about non technical founders here actually. Um, they have this idea that if they can get a developer and a programmer, everything will be fine. Yeah. But that's I think that's really dangerous. Um, so they were quite surprised when me as a technical person says. Don't write any code, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, where were you when Kyle and I launched Fly? Was all I'm going to say because we made every mistake in the book with that first business, mm-hmm. but such valuable lessons learned, mm. and certainly we we wouldn't be where we are now today if we hadn't gone through that journey. Yeah. But I, I just think that more people should step up because. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's, like I said, got a story. Everyone's got some some wisdom to share. And I just love the fact that you are taking it upon yourself mm-hmm. to say, look, I don't have all the answers, but I can help you with a few things here. And how how important do you think the whole, I mean, on my bookshelf here, I've read a lot of Simon Sinek's work and I think he's mm-hmm. fantastic, but that whole start with why. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's, so when people come up with an idea, how important is the the why behind it, do you think? Yeah, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I did it just yesterday. She's one of my employees. I hope he doesn't mind me talking about it. I won't name him. But he's got a side hustle startup and mm-hmm. he was nervous about asking me about it because I'm mm-hmm. his employer as well. Mm-hmm. But I just started doing the whole six whys thing mm-hmm. on him. Like, why are you doing this? Why, why, why? No, it wasn't to be a, yeah. uh, an ass or anything. Yeah. You know, It was just like, let's get to the root of why you want to do the startup. Mm-hmm. It's not. It was talk- we started talking about accelerators and money mm-hmm. and stuff. It wasn't anything to do with that at all once mm-hmm. you actually drilled down to it. So I like the whys thing. It's six whys, right? Is it mm-hmm. six whys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've done that a few times now. Someone else mm-hmm. taught me that. I didn't read mm-hmm. the book. Someone just said, I'll try the why thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know why to say the mm-hmm. why. I just kept saying why. And I'm like, oh, all right. Okay, yeah. this works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd have done this on myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because I think a lot of people's whys are the same. Mm-hmm. It's we want freedom. We want happiness. We want to, we want contribution. We mm-hmm. want to feel like we're building something that's going to make the world better. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's sort of, if you strip it right back, you get away all the fluff. It, it is just that whole, well, from what I've seen and what I've experienced, it is contribution, happiness, freedom. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, if we can get to that and people can really understand that piece and then build a business around that, then we'll have a lot more people and entrepreneurs and startups that are really building fantastic businesses that go to last. Mm-hmm. So I think people get so caught up in, oh, I need to get X amount of funding mm-hmm. or I need to go through that accelerator program or I need to do this and this. It's actually just strip it all back mm-hmm. and work out what's important to you. And, you know, I think that um, a lot of people start businesses maybe for the money as well sometimes. And that's fine. That's great. But maybe what they don't realize is they don't actually need as much money as what they think mm-hmm. to live the lifestyle that they really want. 
I think. And if you really, or if all you want is money, there's probably way easier ways Correct. to make a lot of money than a startup, right? Oh, because like how hard people, is it? Yeah, it's it's freaking <laughs> hard, right? If you want to make money, just go on, I don't know, find a niche product and jump mm -hmm. on eBay or something mm -hmm. and just sell stuff. I don't yeah. know. There's probably way better ways to do it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think with the uh, the wise thing, it's interesting what you just said because you said you mentioned you know make the world better, happiness, mm. all those sorts mm. of things. I think people are starting to think more about that, and they're. I was reading about priming this morning on one of mm. a book, you know, about how you when you prime people with money. Have you mm -hmm. have you seen the research yeah. around that where you mm. you give them all the money words and then see how they react and they yeah. become more selfish and yeah. all these things happen, right? But if you prime people with other words that aren't mm. around, it's not dollar bills, right? Mm -hmm. oh. Then they go on a totally different trajectory, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you start thinking about how can we, you know, people are talking a lot about environment at the moment, mm -hmm. right? So if you mm -hmm. start thinking about how can we, you know, save our planet or, mm -hmm. you know, how can you combat, um, you know, problems, um, you know, how can you address mental illness or something that you care about, mm -hmm. then you can follow a totally different trajectory and then you might still make loads of money mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But you'll be happy doing it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. How how important do you think you just mentioned something that I'm quite passionate about there about about that whole priming thing. Do you mm -hmm. do you have any like routines or things that you do religiously every morning or before you get into work, be with mm. your team? A bit out of routine at the moment, so mm -hmm. it's a funny time to ask me, <laughs> yeah. but um up until a few weeks ago I was very doing the very early starts, mm -hmm. early morning starts and I have I, I think you said it in one of your podcasts about mm -hmm. like that early start should be mm. about you it's time yeah. for you yeah so uh i was doing that and doing walking in the morning mm. and then i have like do some of my planning and things mm. around my own personal planning not necessarily mm -hmm. business planning so that my day can go better so i'm definitely a morning early person i'm a little mm -hmm. bit out of routine at the moment so I'm, mm -hmm. as of next week i'm going to be back into it mm -hmm. uh i need to get to bed earlier and then yeah. it becomes a yeah, lot easier <laughs> but yeah definitely that, that early time for me mm -hmm. if i can set my day up at mm -hmm. the start of the day and do all of those things then my day can go really well yeah. but if i've got a lot on my mind a lot on my plate then the day is quickly turns to crap right yeah it's, it's, it's crazy and then i think if you don't look after yourself then you can't look after your team and then it has mm -hmm. an impact and ripple effect right so if you if you show up at work and you feel oh, i'm just not in the right zone today what do what what do you do do you how can you then show up as a better leader do you have any ways around that or advice for people that maybe are out of routine right now or yeah. not feeling in the best headspace is there any tips or yeah, tactics? Yeah, I'll do the, the afternoon. I'll do my more talky, chatty stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and do my meetings. Mm -hmm. My morning, I'll try and be more productive. I'll do the headstand work. The mm -hmm. afternoon, as long as I, if I get a few things out of the way in the morning, then mm -hmm. in the afternoon, I'll give mm -hmm. myself permission to mm -hmm. kind of. Um, meander a little bit mm -hmm. maybe phone some people like mm -hmm. i really recommend it if, especially now we're talking about recession and stuff mm -hmm. like go and call all your clients mm -hmm. go call even your friends just anyone you've mm -hmm. worked with in the past mm -hmm. and don't call them for work or anything just say call them to say hello and mm -hmm. like if you're looking for just go and talk to someone mm -hmm. so i quite like the afternoons i'll just make a couple of phone calls and just mm -hmm. reach out to people just mm -hmm. say hi how you going and uh that breaks my day up quite nicely mm -hmm. I think to have a bit of social mm -hmm. or just go and talk to the team or go mm -hmm. and help someone or so my afternoons often a, a kind of chatty and, mm -hmm. and my morning is a bit more head down mm -hmm. so that that's kind of I guess for me mm -hmm. uh, if I need to 
do a bit of a circuit break or go and I'll come and do a podcast. Yeah, perfect. Mix of, the day. Mix of the day. But yeah. I think like how, how, how important do you think that whole like planning is of your day or just to sort of know, I guess know the times when you want, when you need to be focused when the times mm-hmm. you can be a little bit more in flow. Like how important do you think it is for people to have a bit of a structure? Yeah, I think, I think the context switching thing is, mm. is uh, I don't know if you've read the, the it's Dave Allen, isn't it? The mm. Getting Things Done book where mm-hmm. he talks about like try and have your context. So mm-hmm. like maybe do your phone calls in a block, read mm-hmm. your emails in a block mm-hmm. or don't read your emails at all, if yeah. you, preferably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like um, uh, turn off distractions and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that and I'm just reading the um, Daniel Ka- Daniel Kahneman book at the moment, mm-hmm. the Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, yeah. and it's talking about uh, the System Two brain. You know mm-hmm. where you've got the the context. It's a slow brain, and mm-hmm. you don't want to be like context shifting. Mm-hmm. And that's um, yeah, the context shifting I think can really be a killer. I think particularly for technical people, it can almost send you mad. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if you are like doing too many things and context shifting, I've seen some people really like quite impacted by that including myself actually just doing too many context shifts mm-hmm. trying to run like seven you know it's the spinning plates yeah. thing like the circus mm-hmm. um so if you can cut down on the amount of things you're doing but if you are doing a lot of things at least kind of batch them up a bit yeah uh, i think that's can do wonders for your sanity yeah but i guess as you get a bigger team as well mm-hmm. you can delegate right so that's delegation it. is like amazing mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. get that working well Mm-hmm. And I think your junior members appreciate it too, mm-hmm. right? If you're giving them something important rather than just giving them make work, mm-hmm. actually delegating a really important task yeah. to a junior is great yeah. for you. Yeah. But I think it's great for their personal growth as mm-hmm. well. So I think, yeah, the delegation and the context shifting for me mm-hmm. has been like, I guess, the big game changers mm-hmm. on, on, a, on a planning, mm-hmm. on, on a day, personal day. Mm-hmm. My planning still isn't great. Mm-hmm. I have a task uh, in, um on Sunday evenings is kind of like, you know, I used to call it um, uh, climb the tree, mm-hmm. you know, climb the tree and kind of have a look around, you know, <laughs> yeah, if you're in the yeah, forest, yeah. like in the, isn't Lord of the Rings where he climbs up and goes <laughs> up. Um, used to have this climb the tree thing, which I need to get back into. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, take a moment on mm-hmm. Sunday and just yeah. kind of climb the tree, have a look around. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not like hard planning, but just like have a thing about your week ahead. Mm-hmm. I need to get back in the habit of that. I think, uh, and then I guess just the daily, like have more Trello boards and mm. you know the usual stuff. I think yeah. you're, you've got all the boards and planning mm-hmm. boards as well, right? Mm-hmm. But you can go crazy with that too, right? Oh, I know, to that's the point it. where it's that's like it. planning, yeah, you got planning your... for planning. Yeah, and... correct. It's, I think it's just yeah. ultimately like there's so many books on there about time management. There's so many things that people say to do. It's, it's finding out what works for you. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I like to plan my week on a Sunday or just kind of get some altitude, you know, mm-hmm. be like, right, what are my key tasks next week? What am I working on? What's my goals? And then having a my top three things that just need to get done and then then a few things that would move me forward in my life Mm -hmm. i think that's that's really making it as simple as possible because people they do they go oh i need to bucket things and i they they have all the best intention of like making their diary look all pretty and color-coded and and then actually like you know something can just come up that just throws your whole day out and that can happen and that's okay Mm -hmm. you know people beat themselves up and i just actually like to ask you so as a leader and you've got 10 people in your team when people come and say if, if you're in a task and you're in the zone, but someone comes and asks you a question, are you, you quite strict to say, right, team, I'm going in, I'm in the zone now, don't disturb me? Or how do you go, how do you go about setting boundaries almost with your yeah, team? Yeah, I guess you have to kind of like push back a yeah. little bit, but not for too long, otherwise mm-hmm. I'll forget about it. Yeah. And then people keep coming back, like, I've come back four times today. Yeah, yeah. So I know some people use their headphones, right? Mm-hmm. And they just put their headphones on. Mm-hmm. I'll generally just do a, just a, 
yeah, can we just hold on a minute? Yeah. Uh, some of my team are really super nice to the point of being over the top. <laughs> They'll like send me a Slack message even yeah. though they're just sitting next to me. <laughs> can I interrupt yeah. you in a bit? Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, you don't have to kind of yeah. do that. But um, yeah, I I think um, for me, I'm, I'm actually not I'm not terrible being interrupted. I've got two mm. kids who are interrupting me uh, like okay, all the time yeah. Yeah. and I can zone out pretty mm-hmm. easily. My wife hates it, the fact mm-hmm. that I can just literally turn <laughs> off my audio <laughs> receptors and be quite and if people see i'm just getting on with things they won't yeah. interrupt but um yeah I, I don't have a great great answer for that but yeah. uh yeah there are times where you have to take yourself away mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely. and that's might be headphones or it might be i'm going to go and actually go and work at the cafe down the road or i'm going to do the third place thing you know about the third place no. so that's kind of like you know your home your work uh-huh. you know right. have your third place so mm-hmm. i sometimes do an hour at the cafe near school in the morning mm-hmm. after i've dropped the kids from school the traffic's crazy i just go to the cafe and i do an hour there before i hit the office mm-hmm. and just get a lot of things out of the way i just don't i take any phone calls either the phone's off emails off mm-hmm. i've already got my list of things to do i don't need to look at email um, that's really good. The third mm-hmm. place, I'd really recommend that to people who struggle place. with okay, the like homework thing. Mm-hmm. Some people who work at home as well. Uh, Aaron will talk about this if you if mm-hmm. meet Aaron. Uh, if you work at home, they'll actually go uh, leave home in the morning, go to the third place for an hour, and then like enter their home mm-hmm. even via a different door. Okay. To say, well, this is me like going it's into work. my work. Okay, like so that. your house is, I guess you're upstairs mm. here, but some mm. people have a home office that's got a separate mm. little door mm-hmm. and they'll go and they'll even get changed into different clothes. I have to they say like well. work persona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and they'll but they'll sometimes use the work the third place as a, mm. a as a, a um, what do you call it a transition? I like zone, that. Right. Yeah, I really like that. I read um, seven habits of um, no highly to people. No, I have read that, but high, <laughs> high performance habits yes. and um, by Brendan Bouchard. I highly recommend it. And he basically said a lot of people lose a lot of time in the transition from one task mm-hmm. to the next. But I love what you just said then about just sort of like having that third place and entering it with intention to be like, right now I'm going to work or mm-hmm. now I'm going to do that task. I think that's, I love that third place. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself a third out. place. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that could, that could just be often it's a cafe or yeah. a, a library or mm. somewhere. Um, for some people, the third place is just actually like on their commute. Mm. It's like, you know, you'd say about listening to podcasts on yeah. the on commute, you have this kind of transition between yeah. your home and work or get yourself in the mindset. Yeah. Might be listening to a good, you know, yeah, I love that. There's some good podcasts around. There are. There absolutely are. Mine to lead being one of them. <laughs> um, look, it's been an absolute pleasure, Steve. I've loved having you here. My final question are, what do you think three skills every leader should try and master? Ooh, <laughs> hard questions. Damien asked me hard questions. <laughs> you so, can say one. One yeah, is good no, enough. No, 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 that's good. Same for three. So I think, um, yeah, I, I really like this um, uh, uh, candor radical candor thing mm. that uh, and i've definitely um noticed i am in this the, if you read the book there's the four mm. quadrants she talks mm-hmm. about radical candor that's where you're you you know you're open transparency with people but you're also direct mm-hmm. and uh, there's this other quadrant that she has at the top left which is kind of the dangerous quadrant which is where you you're like really nice and open with people but you don't you're not direct with them and you'll tell people um what she call it something insincerity insincerity so i i do that i've done that quite a bit in the past where you know you haven't actually been honest with people you've been too nice to people haven't actually directly told them what you think right. but you um 
so you've got to get to that point where you've got the radical candor, mm -hmm. where you, you, you're open and mm -hmm. with people, but you're honest and direct and you can actually do that rather than just kind of killing people with kindness. Yeah. And she actually says like that's that quadrant on the left is kind of even worse than the bottom left one, which is where you don't care yeah. and you don't, you're not direct either. Mm -hmm. So that's actually the root of a lot of management problems. Right. So, yeah, I'm trying to get to that top right quadrant mm -hmm. in, uh, in her um, – in her mm -hmm. book i've told a few mm -hmm. other people about it too and mm -hmm. they're like oh, yeah they'll get that totally mm -hmm. so I, th I think um yeah being open and honest with mm -hmm. people and actually uh yeah telling them when you're not happy and mm -hmm. actually doing that in a, a constructive way not mm -hmm. being a there's another quadrant down the mm -hmm. bottom right <laughs> which yeah. is the the people who are direct <laughs> and don't care yeah and that's kind of i don't want to be that mm -hmm. person either no so yeah i like the radical kind of i haven't finished the book yet so mm -hmm. i probably can't do a mm -hmm. uh for some revolt but the transparency i talked about before and I think, uh, yeah, just being fearless, mm. right? Which is, uh, yeah, something that, well, I had probably a lot of fear in my early life, but mm. I'm, I'm I think I'm pretty fearless now. Mm -hmm. So I think I encourage everyone to be mm. fearless. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it and just get on with it. Yeah. And you're fearless because you kept on pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Yes. And meeting new people and doing mm -hmm. all that. So I think, I think there's a lot of lessons in, in today's podcast, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. So thank you so much. Thanks, Georgie. It's been great. I didn't um and ah too much. <laughs> no, either. you didn't. It was really good. <laughs> um, and final question, where can everyone find you if they want to find out more about um, you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. uh, although it's kind of locked down at the moment. So you'll need my email address, which oh, is the key thing. Okay. So you need steve at refactor.com.au. That's okay. just to stop all the spammers and people yeah. trying to sell me stuff. And the recruiters recruiters <laughs> i only let the nicest recruiters yeah, into me. my linkedin <laughs> amazing thank you so much cool thanks georgie Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thank you.